What's up, NBA fans? Last podcast, I started with stating that there was less games than Phoenix Suns wins. And at that point, it was close to being true for the New York Knicks. But this week, it is definitely true. There are possibly 10 or so games for some teams left. And the New York Knicks are currently sitting at, uh, let me see here again. Got to remind myself, 14 wins. So well under that number. So this week is also the start of the March Madness tournament. So we'll start this this podcast off with that trivia question um, as well as we'll look at the seeding odds for some teams left and Dirk passes Will on the all-time scoring list and of course we'll bring a, a little take on the tankathon race that's going on right now in the NBA but Sean I'll start off with this question you know in honor that the March Madness tournament is starting this week since 2006 how many teams have won a national title with at least one one and done player Ooh, Alan, hitting me with the college basketball stuff, huh? I, yeah. Yep, in honor of March Madness, uh, I guess I'll have to answer this. I honestly have no idea, but I'm going to say hmm, one. One. Okay, I, that's a, that was surprising. I thought you were going to go with a big number. No, but I, I have a feeling, because, like, I mean, looking at what DeAndre Ayton didn't even make it out of the first round last year. So just thinking down that route, like I, I have a feeling the one and dones just don't actually get it done in the tournament. It's all about team basketball. Yeah, and you kind of hit the point, and I kind of this I came up with this question reading a good Washington Post article um, titled "Do One and Done Teams Succeed in March?" and it's a great breakdown on what happens when you break down the numbers on one on one one and done players. But essentially, to the answer to this question is only four teams. Oh. Have had a have won a national title with at least one one and done players, and those teams are North Carolina in 2017, Villanova in 2018, Duke and Kentucky, Duke in 2015, and Kentucky in 2012. Oh wow, yeah. So I mean, I was I was in the right ballpark, but I went a little too aggressive with my uh, with my guess there. But you know, that, that's still pretty crazy. Only four teams in the last 13 years, 12 years, so only 33 percent. Um, yeah. uh, what, what does that say about you uh, picking Duke in the in the March Madness bracket like everybody else? So I'm going the complete opposite. I'm doing <laughs> my hot take and I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Is I don't think Duke makes the Final Four. Not because they're Ooh. a lesser team, but I just think the realities of playing game after game with so much on the line and people... I mean, things get brutal out there. It's a yeah. wrestling match at times in some of these games and I think Zion, R.J. Barrett, some of the Duke guys are just going to realize, you know what? We're going to get paid millions of dollars in a couple months. <laughs> I don't know if this is <laughs> worth it right so now. Hard. Yeah, and then for like the seniors on the other side, like this is it. Like Some of these guys might never get to play NBA action. They might play some G League, um, maybe some European ball, but they're not going to make it as big. So they have a lot more to fight for here. Right, but this whole team identity has been built off these Duke boys, so... Um, I mean, maybe it doesn't happen. Probably, most likely, it won't happen. But my take is it's going to happen, and this team is going to lose thunder as a result of their their players realizing that. You know what? I think I'd rather just be in the M. We get ready to be in the NBA. Wow. Well, I mean, if you're right, uh, you're gonna be in a large minority of people that is gonna have a secure bracket uh, through the Final Four. If that's the case. Um, well, be feeling pretty good. I mean, if that's the way to go, honestly, if you want to like go against the grain and go for a big risk like that, 
uh, that could pay off huge for you um, yeah. as far as overall rankings go. I mean, you you got to go big with this <laughs> these brackets. Let's be real. Like, it's so <laughs> it's completely so random. Like, I yeah, it's you just that's just the bottom line of how you have to go with these brackets. Right. It's yeah, just, so who do you have anything winning goes. Actually, the winner was kind of random. I forgot who I had winning. Oh, actually, I had UNC winning. Okay. And they, they'll probably have a one-and-done player in uh, Kobe White, who's mm-hmm. projected number five overall right now. I'm surprised I actually know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, he's a one-and-done, too. So if, if, if that, all that falls that way, um, we'll get another one-and-done player uh, leading a team to a national title. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, so let's get back to the NBA. And so I'll throw you an NBA trivia oh, question, Sean. Good, so <laughs> since the All Star break, what team ranks last in offensive efficiency? Hmm. This is a tough one, but I think I know who the potential two could be. I'm gonna. It's for me right now. It's between the Thunder and the Lakers, and I'm gonna go with the Thunder. Yeah, you're. You are right. Dang. You are right. You get a Thunderbolt <laughs> sticker here for this. So the Oklahoma City Thunder, and wow. we knew they were going to hit a hard stretch. I mean, I think they knew it. OKC fans, if you're looking at the schedule, you circled this right here, that after the All-Star break, they were going to have one of the top three most difficult schedules remaining in the NBA, and it has completely changed their team, I think, both defensively, but more more than not is offensively. This team was already not very good offensively, but now they've just dropped to complete last place oh. here. Yeah, that is that is just so sad when you have two prolific all-stars on your team. Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench. But yeah, besides that, like Jeremy Grant still can't really do much. Terrence Ferguson is basically an offensive liability. Right. And man, you I when you said that OKC was going to drop from the third seed, I thought you were crazy, but <laughs> Turns out they just they couldn't weather that tough schedule. I thought they'd be able to do it the way Paul George and Russell Westbrook were on fire um, for that middle third of the season there. And yeah, man, I guess the season just grind the grind of the regular season is just paid its dividends to the Thunder, and um, it is not looking too good and for them mean, right now. Yeah, I mean they got some they got some good wins, like some wins that probably should not have gone their way, notably that. Utah Jazz win that they got. Um, I mean, they got. Well, I guess they they got blown out by the Warriors, <laughs> and yeah. they almost stole this game against Toronto. At least it close. looked. It looked like there was some hope for them to take that, but I mean, just being on the road and some of these teams that they're going up against, it's just beating them up. And I don't think them being last in offensive efficiency is defining of this team, but I do think it's. It's 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 paints the picture of where this team is at right now. Yeah, I mean they have about ten games left to turn this around before the end of the regular season. Then you go into the playoffs. I mean, I mean we're gonna get into them a little more later in a special section of ours, but it's it's gonna be a rough going for them too, man. Like there there are some warning signs still besides the fact that they're losing a lot of games that have me worried for them even making it out of the first round. Yeah, if they get stuck against man, if they get stuck against Utah, I think they're gonna get out in the first round. Dude, I mean, I don't know. Right now, they might play the Warriors. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, that would be bad. Like they're tied at the eighth seed right now, man. Like it is danger zone for sure. Right. 
So let's go here to the latest Vegas seeding odds for the Western Conference. And some of them make sense and some other ones, well, let's see what you think, Sean. So the Warriors, <laughs> no surprise, 94% chance to secure number one, only 6% for two. The Nuggets, 69 for the second seed, 17% for three, and a 6% chance for number one. Hmm. Any surprises here? No. That looks about right. <laughs> yeah, let's go. So the Jazz, 28% for number five, 32% for number four, and 11% for number three. No, that's pretty big. 11% number three. And we're old. I mean, we can get into the Jazz a little bit later, but their schedule looks great. And the teams are all so close together. Strength of schedule might be the thing that comes into play the most here. Yeah. About the Rockets, 41% chance to hold on to that number three, 22% for number four, and 11% chance for five. So it looks like Vegas is in favor that oh, that the Rockets are not going back uh, to under the, the number five seed, or at least they're keeping home court advantage in, in the first round. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Harden, Paul, and Capel are, are all healthy now. Um, so you're looking at a pretty similar team to last year. Um, yeah, I got no problems with that. Yeah, this is the one that I think is it gets interesting here. <laughs> uh, Blazers, 25% chance for number three, 24% chance for number four, and 23% chance for number three. Um, this is, I mean, yeah, even I, mean odds I guess it basically could go either five. way. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And, I mean, it it's interesting that they only give them that range, really. The way that they're playing right now and with CJ McCollum hurt for a week or maybe even longer, I could see them dropping. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but I mean I guess it's still I guess they still have that chance just because of because of that two game cushion they have right now on the Utah Jazz. Um but Utah and San Antonio are I mean San Antonio San just Antonio lost, but they were on, on the fire. Still, yeah, I mean I still would not count them out of any seeding from three through eight at this point. This OKC one has to be one of the more interesting ones, though. Yeah. Yeah, going 25% for 8, 29% for 7th, 18% for 6, 8% for 4, and only 3% for the 3 seed that they held only two weeks ago. That is what a drop here. Um, oh, man. I wasn't so sure I would count them out that badly. But it looks like all the algorithms that they're running over there in the sports books on Vegas are telling that this team is not going to capture um, home court advantage in the first round. Which, at this point, you got Warriors, Nuggets, and Rockets, and it looks oh. like that that four seed is kind of up for grabs between the Jazz and the Blazers. Maybe you could put the Spurs in there as well. But I mean, if you're OKC and you see these odds at this point, who who are you thinking you'd prefer in the first round? I got to think the Nuggets, the least playoff experience on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, playing in Denver is awful. A mile yeah. high, the elevation can get to you a little bit. Um, but at the same time, they're going to go all out on both sides. And Russell Westbrook's not going to lose to a bunch of rookies. I mean, <laughs> I guess he kind of yeah. did that last year to Donovan Mitchell. So I guess I can't really use that as an example. But I have to think that the Nuggets at least give them the best chance of getting out of the first round um, if yeah. I have to pick between the three. It's interesting because you could say the Nuggets, well, they're still kind of a rusty team because they're still trying to adjust their lineups and rotations right now. Yeah, like still trying to But they've been like this all year. <laughs> yeah, and like <laughs> they don't know what to do with Isaiah Thomas. It's like 
almost they want to give him minutes because they feel bad at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But Monty Morris is just playing so well for them. Like he has to get the minutes above him. It's almost like um, like when Markel Fultz is trying to get minutes on the Sixers when he was still on that team, but TJ McConnell is just playing so much better than him. It's like you can't really give him the minutes. Right. And you're still and Gary Harris is still just rounding out right now as well. Yeah, true. Yeah. So I mean you you got a sol- you got solid dudes off the bench there who might not see any more minutes like a Trey Lyles for example. And Paul Millsap right. as well has just been playing really well. Oh my gosh. Um so, well. so I guess it's hard to see what you think of that team. The Rockets OKC series, I think from a fan perspective, that would be the one I'd want to watch. Oh yeah, no, that'd be really fun, man. And if not, yeah, if definitely, if not in the first round, maybe in the second round if they get to that. But yeah, yeah then we have the Spurs here, man. Um, a team that you doubted. Um, yes, I did. Yeah, and they they went on a hot streak lately, and they have an eleven percent chance at eight, a twenty six percent chance at seven, but a thirty eight percent chance at number six, and a pretty decent fifteen percent chance at number five. Um, so I, it seems to me like. Odds say that the Spurs are at least going to keep what they are right now at number six or move up a little bit. Yeah, so at number six, right now they're tied. It's a three-way tie between OKC with that loss to Toronto and the Clippers and right, them. Yeah. So so the prediction here is that the Spurs will end up pulling out and creating some room of cushion. Um, and then b- below them, you got the Clippers at 58% for number eight. I guess at that point, it's hard to argue 27% chance at seven and 10% chance for six. So when you're looking at all these odds, Sean, is there one you, you definitely just disagree with here? Um, not definitely, but I mean, as a Clipper fan, I'm going to give <laughs> them a better chance than 58% to get out of that eight seed. Uh, we're really? looking, yeah, we're looking at, I did OKC. not expect you to say that. One. Oh no, I no, dude. Okay. See, is in like tied with them right now and they mm-hmm. still have one of the worst strength of schedules or one of the hardest strength of schedules remaining the clippers on the other hand are going to go on i think a four or five game road trip coming up where their first two games are against cleveland and chicago and then they end the season with a five game homestand so when i'm looking at the clippers schedule even even the games on the road don't look very hard and they have a pretty decent uh, strength of schedule remaining. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but I like the Clippers' odds to maybe get close to like 48 wins. And that wow. might be enough to get them higher than the eighth seed. So that road trip, I was looking at that road trip, and I was like, well, they could either go th- win three out of four there, or they could only win one out of those games. Like... I don't know what is this Clipper team really is still. <laughs> They're just like, gamers, bro. <laughs> like, they have been on a hot streak. Um, they beat the Pacers. They beat the Nets. They beat Boston. They beat OKC. Um, and just within the month of March. But then, on, but those, these were all home games. True. Okay, on the yeah. road, it's still well, hard to gauge <laughs> who this team is. Like, okay. there's just not a big enough sample size well, yet. No, here's the sample size, though, man, is that, okay, so first things first, they're not playing Chicago, they're playing New York. Even better, if you ask me. So their their road trip starts, a four-game road trip of at Cleveland, at New York. And then it goes okay. to Minnesota, who's not a very hard matchup, and then ends with Milwaukee, which is probably a loss. And then you yeah. go home for four games, and you play Cleveland-Memphis, 
And then Houston's the hard one. And then Lakers, again, who have nothing to play for at this point. They're probably <laughs> just playing Alex Caruso the most minutes. And then you have an at Golden State versus Utah. So the last two games are really probably the hardest ones of the year for them. And the Clippers are one of the few teams right now that have a winning record on the road. If you look at yeah. the standings, they're they're uh, nineteen and seventeen on but the road, which yeah, but uh, here's super my th- impressive. Yeah, that is impressive, but that's this isn't that same team that achieved that record, though. What are you talking about? Oh, like I'm saying, uh, Tobias Harris is gone, Bobin is gone. I guess Gallinari and Lou Williams are still there. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they ever lost a step when Tobias left. Man, they're actually winning more than when Tobias Harris was there. Right, but I know, but I guess since that all-star break, and it seems like since that trade, they've had so many home games that it's hard. That's why I, I guess that was my original point is I just don't know what this team is like on the road right now. And I'm going to say I'm going to not give them the benefit of the doubt on this road trip, and I think they're going to either split it 50-50 or lose three in, on this road trip. Wow. And I think that 58% is very likely for them to be in the eighth seed. Mm. I'm I don't know, find it surprising that that's the one schedule, you're taking. They play Cleveland twice. They play New York. True. They play Memphis. This this is not a hard schedule at all, man. And if you look at it compared to OKC's schedule, and you tell me who do you think is going to win more games the rest of the way, I'm gonna go with the Clippers. This is crazy that we are at this point. I mean, I thought there was a possibility OKC was going to tie with a bunch of teams and. It was just going to be who can close the best. But I didn't think they were going to tie as far down as the eighth seed here. <laughs> um, yeah. that I mean, I don't think any of us predicted that. Man, that schedule just took a toll. Bad one. Right. And I'm looking at this, and I want to say the Blazers, I think, is one of the ones I disagree with. I think they have really? a better chance at getting number three. But then the fact that CJ McCollin has gone down. Right. Yeah, that's what That totally just messes it all up. So I'm mm-hmm. not gonna go with that one. Dare I say this is the thing the one the one I think I'm gonna go You're with. You're gonna it. go with the jazz one, aren't you? I'm gonna go with the jazz. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I still this team has such an easy strength of schedule <laughs> left as well. I gotta think their chance to capture number three is a lot better um, than just eleven uh, percent. I'm man, it's got to be a little bit closer to twenty, I think, right here. Like considering what they have left on their schedule. Well, the, the, um, the reason I think though that they're not higher is because the Rockets have such a high chance at retaining it. Right, and God, the Rockets. I don't understand. They're they're beating. They're legit. Like it seems like they're legit, but at the same time, I don't want to give them that. I don't want to give them that label. Like I think they can legit, still crack. Man. James Harden is an MVP candidate. Chris Paul's still good. I don't. I don't know where the hole is for you, really. Where like where you think that they falter? I just think it's they rely so much on Harden and Chris Paul. Um, something's got to give. Like I think they're gonna miss a couple games here and there at some point in this stretch, or maybe call it a rest day and take the loss. There's only ten games but I guess- less. There's only ten games left, and they have they want to keep the three seed for sure. They have a two right. and a half game lead over Utah right now. I think the eleven percent is honestly pretty generous. If you if Utah's two and a half games back, this this schedule though it's like ridiculous. <laughs> I, know, I know look the at this. Schedule. They got Atlanta, Chicago, <laughs> Phoenix, Lakers. Literally, they don't play a single team. Oh, 
just two teams that are over 500 yes, Denver yeah. and Clippers. Right. Yeah, I know that. So they'll probably go 9 and 1 or 8 and 2. But that and you, that means that Houston would have to go 6 and 4 toward to the end of the season for Utah to take overtake them. And so that, think, that you have to bank on that too. There's some games I think they can crack at. Milwaukee for Rockets, sure. Denver. Okay. Oklahoma City. I think Oklahoma oh. City is going to bring their A game for that very last game. So that's think the three. Rockets are going to bring their A game? Oklahoma City is going to probably be playing for their lives here to not end up as the 7th or 8th seed. Okay. Or maybe not just the 8th. So that's three games. That's so you got Milwaukee, so Denver, saying- Oklahoma City. Yeah. There's still another. There's two <laughs> games that I think could go either way here. Clippers, Clippers yeah. and San Antonio. Yeah. So yeah, that game, game on Friday against San Antonio will be a big one then. Um, yeah, but it is a Rockets home game for that one, so I'm leaning towards the Rockets for that. I I just I gotta think James. I mean, this loss against Memphis tonight was a really bad one for them. An OT to Memphis, when James right. Harden puts up 57 points and you still <laughs> lose to Jonas Valanciunas, man, like that. That's a crushing <laughs> blow. Like if that happens, I say for sure Utah doesn't get in, but they've opened the gap a little, like opened up a opportunity for them a little bit. So we'll have to see down the stretch. Like some of these big games are going to be really entertaining to see the results of. Yeah. And I think that little window is worth more than just 11%. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go with that one, but give the Rockets some credit. They're two and a half games ahead, man. You can't, you can't be giving them more than 11% to the jazz. I don't know, man. I, I, I just am a believer in the underdog, man. I love a good underdog story, and I think the Jazz are that underdog right now. That's why I'm a Clippers fan, so I can agree with you <laughs> on that. <laughs> all right, all right. How about Dirk passing Will Chamberlain on the all-time scoring list? He is now number six with a little more than eight with a little more than eight hundred points behind Michael Jordan. So it's pretty crazy to think that in the last four years we've seen three guys um, break into this. Uh, top seven list and Dirk, mm. LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant a couple years back. Um, just goes to show you, I guess, the type of we're really in um, a golden era of basketball right now. Or um, we basically lived through that. Right. And I, I mean, I feel like it's continued to gonna be more and more with the, the evolution of the three-point shot. You got guys making 50% more points on some of their shots than I I saw this statistic or at least the shot chart of Allen Iverson's career versus James Harden's career. Um, Or at least the seasons where they both made, had like 35 points a game. James Harden's being this year, Iverson's being in like Oh five or something. And it's ridiculous how many more twos Iverson took than Harden. So Harden is just scoring way more on threes and that's just how the league is these days. And, um, it's going to continue to get more and more like that. So you're going to see guys like Steph Curry break into this list sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, it, yeah, and it's, it's especially if Warriors core dismantles at the end of the season and Steph just gets to play around again. Yeah, I mean, in the way Steph looks, he just doesn't rely. I mean, he relies on his speed, but he's such a great shooter. Like he could play until he's like 40 years old. Like he <laughs> right, could be yeah. the next Kareem in terms of how long he stays in the league. Yeah. Or like Vince Carter, except more effective, I think. Right. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, shout out to Dirk, of course, man. Like, this guy is a legend in the sport. Um, really awesome to see a European player um, so high up on this list and get, get a little more diversity in there. And I don't think he's going to pass Michael Jordan, though. 
he'd have to average about 10 points a game and come back for like another season next year which i definitely don't see happening one or the other so i mean if he does come back (laughs) would he get enough playing time on that dallas team next year to get 10 points a game i don't think so yeah there's just no way yeah, like maybe, maybe if they want to throw away the season and just make it so Dirk gets past Michael Jordan for points, um, they can just yeah. run the whole offense through him if they want. But that would be terrible. Yeah, he's not he's not getting more minutes than what is it Dwight Powell they got down yeah, there? Maxi uh, Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely not Kristaps Porzingis, <laughs> man. Yeah, but it's great to see him on there. I guess if you had one uh, big memory of Dirk that stands out to you, what would it be, Sean? If you Sorry, not to put you on the spot I mean, here. I I don't really know his like highlights that well, but I mean, just his shot is just one of the most incredible shots I've ever seen. You cannot yeah. block it. It's all it's like Kevin Durant's in a way where it's just an unguardable shot, but probably even more so to a degree because he's a little taller than Durant, and a lot of his shots were fadeaways. Um, right. So yeah, just one of the best shooters of our NBA and. Yeah, so good to see um, him yeah. get this accolade uh, to end his career on a mm-hmm. good note. I was, I was going to say, if there's one thing that will always stand out to me about Dirk and is that fact that that NBA championship he won with Dallas to kind of kinda course, just yeah. break that streak of having LeBron, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, or Tim Duncan win a title for like, <laughs> it seemed like 15 yeah. years or 12 years or 13 years or something like that. Yeah, and I think that... Is that championship is what cemented him as a legendary player in this league is to be able to go up against these guys that should have won it, but then he brings this Mavericks team in and just steals a championship away um, in the middle yeah. of a couple dynasties. So that, that right. was pretty awesome. Yeah, he went through those top three guards, basically sweeping the Lakers in the first round, <laughs> uh, taking down San Antonio, getting to the NBA Finals and Beating Dwayne Wade and LeBron James the first yeah. year of the big three. Yeah, um, and Chris Bosh, too. <laughs> yeah. And that same question, I had a hard time coming up with an answer for this guy who got his jersey hey. retired tonight <laughs> against the Raptors, and that's Nick Hollison, uh, who played 15 years with the Supersonic slash Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, this is the a guy who was constantly talked very well about with his by his teammates mm-hmm. when he was there in OKC with... Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. But, I mean, as a fan, we never really saw him <laughs> on the floor. And I just was thinking hard about this, and I just couldn't think of a, a memory that sticks out to me about <laughs> Nick Collison. You know, I really can't. And I think that's kind of the play the Thunders are going with. I mean, this is a guy that only averaged 5.9 points per game on his career, never made an all-star team, and only started in 20% of the games he played in. But Kevin Durant gave him the nickname Mr. Thunder, as in this guy was the reason that this franchise was able to become what it is um, from mm-hmm. being that team on the Supersonics um, in those last few years that they existed that, man, they were just one of the most pitiful teams in the league. Um, yeah. And Nick Collison was there for that. He was there to see Kevin Durant come onto the team and start to build somewhat of a, a contending team, uh, see them draft James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams and um, watched them get Paul George last year um, was there for right. that last year. And he, he's just there from them being from their worst to their best. And for, for a small franchise like the thunder one, that's only been around for so long. Um, I think it's really cool for them to 
give the guy credit for being with the team for his entire career, um, building a culture there, a winning culture, um, mm-hmm. and not necessarily just from his play on the court, but from what he does off the court, I think more than anything. And I like to see that be something that's rewarded is what you do off the court for a team versus just on the court. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see that be rewarded. But on the other side, a lot of franchises just, I think, don't have enough jerseys to retire. <laughs> guys. But, I mean, Oklahoma City, all jokes aside, does. Um, yeah. So, yeah, cool. It's cool. Um, I mean, we're going to see Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook's up there soon, too. So, there's not going to be a shortage of good on-the-court players um, right. by the end of their careers. You Probably Paul George as well, maybe? Yeah, definitely. I think so. If he if he continues to stay with them and doesn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on how long he stays. Like LeBron stayed in Miami for three years, and I guess he deserved it because they won two championships there. But I don't think Paul George is going to do the same thing for OKC. But so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Yeah, let's see. Well, we'll see. How about Doc Rivers? Of course, the Lakers' name has to come up in one episode of the podcast. But barely. We're this yeah. is it. <laughs> I mean, somehow a rumor came around that uh, Doc Rivers and the Lakers were in discussions or the Lakers were trying to poach Doc Rivers from the Clippers. Um, that was immediately shut down by the man himself. Mm-hmm. You want to give the tidbit yeah, on this, this, Sean? I mean, just this is just – I just hate everything about what happened with this. So some <laughs> random media person, whoever – who knows who – I don't even care who it was – just blows a bunch of hot air and says Doc Rivers is going to coach the Lakers next year. And then all of the large media corporations start taking this stupid story to heart as if it has any merit at all. You see ESPN first take and get up and Bleacher Report even reporting on this stupid rumor, which had no (laughs) credibility at all. And then you have to have Doc Rivers come out and say, yeah, this is completely false, completely fabricated. I'm going to actually end up signing an extension with the Clippers. And he actually had a quote to the degree of, I want to be here until the end of my career because of what we've built here and what I want to do here and what a great owner Steve Ballmer has been. And it's just also, yeah, on that side of it, like that's awesome. I'm super stoked to have Doc Rivers as a Clippers head coach for the foreseeable future. And on the flip side, the media is a bunch of morons and I hate (laughs) all of them for coming up with just the biggest lies just to keep the Lakers some somehow relevant in the entire basketball world when they should not even be talked about at all. Yeah. I, I thought it was ridiculous. I really don't know how it started and why it kept going. It seems like a long shot here. Like to think we were going to get doc rivers away from the Clippers. So I mean, stupid. it seems like it's get to situation. He's, he's, held well under um yeah i just (laughs) i don't even really know what to say anymore about this yeah i struggle to find the words to describe how stupid this whole thing (laughs) was like and how i just don't get how people like espn can take this to heart you know and it just goes to show what terrible media they are and they're just looking to chase a story and they don't care about looking into if it actually has any merit or not I think you just got to fill time slots somehow. Ugh. Talk about <laughs> the actual teams that are going to the playoffs. Talk about the Nuggets. Talk about Isaiah Thomas or any, like, talk about the Bucks. I don't care, dude. There's 16 other teams you could talk about besides the Lakers right now that actually have any relevance. <laughs> 
True, true. How about we move on to this then? How about the Tankathon? Here's a quick um, update on what's going on there. I think we have hit an all-time low here where tanking <laughs> was always done sort of subliminally with like strategic roster moves, you can call them, um, strategic injuries, strategic rest days, load management, you can call it. <laughs> but never have we seen strategically in-game plays to actually make the team lose when you all signs pointed that you should have won. And here's a case in point. The Pelicans led their game 136 to 133. They had the ball and there were seven seconds left in overtime. I mean, the chances here for you to walk walk away with this win are pretty high. It's got to be like 99%. Basically, you inbound the ball, you're going to get fouled. And at that point, it's you make, make one, one free, free throw. Yeah. yeah you, and you even make so, th- you, they have to still make a three to tie it. Exactly. And so, yeah, so they have to make a three to tie it. So the chances of you missing those two free throws, well, I guess it depends on who you put on the floor. But you make one free throw, and that's that chance has to go up to, what, 99.8%? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so this is the first action that occurred. So the Pelicans couldn't inbound the ball, uh, so they tried to call a timeout. And mine... Keep in mind this. They had none left at this point. So they got saved by the ref because the ref didn't see that they were calling, trying to call a timeout and instead called them for the five-second violation. Yeah. So instead of – Otherwise, it would yeah. have been a technical foul, right? Yep. So instead of – so they avoid the technical foul. So instead, they turn the ball over here. So Suns have the ball. Suns inbound. Seven seconds left. So you're up three. <laughs> Your best plan here might be to just foul him, force him to the line to make two free throws, and then you inbound the ball, take the foul, and then game's over. (laughs) Instead, they decide to try to play the team straight up. Somehow, Josh Jackson gets away and gets gets enough space to sink an easy three Mm. um, and tie this game. Still clutch. Still clutch. Yeah. Yeah. So 1.1 seconds left, and this is where it just hits an all-time high in terms of tanking. (laughs) So the Suns, for whatever reason, or not the Suns, the Pelicans knew they had no timeouts. So they should have known they have no more more timeouts at this point. Uh. 1.1 seconds. They're struggling to get the ball in, and they call a timeout. Oh, no. And this equals a technical foul. Yeah, so it equals a technical foul with 1.1 seconds. Devin Booker takes the ball to the free throw line and sinks his free throw to walk away with the win here. That is absurd. I just can't, as a player, why do you care about tanking? You know, like I just, all signs point to this being like, man, they just gave up and they just had no awareness of like what was going on. Yeah. So I was going to say, what angle do you take here? You take that the player's, we're fully aware of what the franchise is trying to do, or is this an honest I, mis- <laughs> mistake on their part? I honestly think it was. I think it was a mistake, a terrible one. But and at the same time, I think that the Pelicans just didn't care if they won or lost because honestly, the way that their franchise has treated them the last few months since the Anthony Davis fiasco, like they probably just feel like they want to go to another team. Because they just feel like they're treated so poorly and that they don't matter to the franchise. And it's like, if they win, they win. If they lose, they lose, you know? So sloppy basketball and honestly an honest mistake. Um, But it just goes to show, like, yeah, this is the state of the Pelicans who 
I thought could have been a contending team this year um, had everything gone a different direction. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, we talked about that, what looked to be a 14-team race for the playoffs, and this was one of those teams that we thought was going to finish 7, 8, or or 9 there, but not like this. Not not to have fallen off this bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say that the, obviously the players aren't in on it, but even despite that, this is just how bad this franchise is right now. And you got quality players in there. Alfred Payton, Julius Randle. I mean, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis is still on the bench. Still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does nobody pick up the uh. fact that you try to call a timeout twice knowing that you had no yeah. timeout? It's left. almost like that first one ruined them because if they got technical on the first time they tried to call a timeout with none left, they'd still be up in the game by two. And then the Suns would still had to have made that three. It could have been different. But because it was after once they had already been tied, it just lost in the game. Right. I mean, this is a this is a mistake you see in the NCAA oh, in man. high school. You don't yeah. really think you see this mistake in the NBA. So ridiculous, man. That's just sad. <laughs> I hope they get right. a good draft pick out of it. I hope it's worth it. Anything for Zion right now. That's Anything what I'm calling this. Zion. Anything for Zion. <laughs> <laughs> they won't even have a very good chance of getting him. They're not. They're not going to be in the, the bottom five for sure. Like not that's if you already... lose ten straight. No, oh, it doesn't matter, man. <laughs> that would mean the other teams have to win ten straight. That's true. Yeah, there's no no way they're going to get as many losses as the Suns, Cavs, Knicks, Hawks, Bulls. Like that's solidified already. The best they could do is sixth. This is what happens when you. You're stuck in between two things. You're either going for the NBA title, and then you just settle with the playoffs, <laughs> and then you're just like, screw it, throw everything out the bag. We're we're lo- we're trading our franchise player in the summer, <laughs> and we're and we're tanking. Oh, it's so sad, man. I feel bad for the Pelicans. Yeah. So about injury report here, the couple guys went down. Um, so Dante Exum partially torn patellar tendon in the right knee and is sidelined oh. indefinitely. Tough break here for the Utah Jazz. And for Dante Exum, just in general, this guy just keeps going down with injuries. Such a promising player it looked um, back when he was coming out of Australia. And the Utah Jazz at the same time, I think there probably would have been some trade packages that would have been agreed to had the Utah Jazz included Dante Exum in them. (laughs) And I think they decided to hold on to him. And it sucks that this is what's happening here because he also played a good part in the playoffs in guarding James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Paul George last year. Mm-hmm. So tough, tough loss. Yeah, this is going to be a really brutal loss for them. Um, I don't know what sideline indefinitely really means. I'm guessing it means he's out for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, yeah. tearing your patellar tendon in any way is going to be really brutal. And even coming back, he just won't be the same guy. So... His season is more likely not than over. Um, but I don't see this hurting the Jazz's chances of finishing out the regular season strong. Uh, but mm-hmm. it will be interesting to see how they size up against some of those more um, all-star point guards um, who they put guarding them. Um, the the thing that Dante Exum did for them in the playoffs last year. Yeah, he's, he's not the core piece of this team, but he's just a nice piece to have off the bench for defensive purposes. And, and also, I mean, just the upside that he had for your franchise being he's young and talented and you never know if he could have developed into a, a stronger role player later on in the years, but injuries just keep halting yeah. his, his progress. He's got, he's got two more years on his contract with Utah though. So he's still going to have a chance to prove himself. 
he's still a young guy. Um, hopefully he can just recover fully and show, show us what he's got next year. Yeah, and he's here, CJ McCollin, um, with a strain in his left knee, uh, facing reexamination in a week here. Uh, CJ McCollin going down at a bad time for the Blazers as they put together a good stretch to try to make that move to the third seed. Ah, man. And there's that, ve- that those Vegas chances there when of putting the Blazers at under 30% chance to capture a, a third seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's strictly because of this here. Yeah, like, I, I don't know how much that played into it or not, but it certainly has to. I mean, CJ McCollum being out for any period of time is going to hurt this team, and Damian Lillard can really only do so much um, with this team not having a reliable third scoring option. So, I mean, hopefully once he gets reexamined in a week, he can come back quick because the playoffs are right around the corner, man. Like, he can't afford right. to lose much more time. Yeah, there is no such thing as you know, an easy matchup in this Western Conference playoff race either for this team. Right. Yeah, and, and how about this, the pair of oh. Bucks players out? Malcolm Brogdon and Nikola Mirotic. Yeah, this is a heavy blow, man, for this Bucks team who a lot of statisticians were saying had a better chance of winning the NBA title than the Warriors just a few <laughs> weeks ago. Those odds have to shift a little bit now with Brogdon being out six to eight weeks with a tear in his plantar fascia. And Nicole Miritich being out with a thumb fracture um, with a two to four week recovery timetable. We're looking at Brogdon maybe not coming back until the conference finals if they can even make it that far. And Miritich maybe missing the first round of the playoffs um, if his injury doesn't recover super well, but could potentially be there for the beginning of the first round if everything goes well for him. But man, two heavy blows for this team that's trying to take this number one seed to the playoffs and the Raptors are right on their tail. Um, and you have to think that the Raptors have as good a shot as they do to get that first seed with these injuries that the Bucks just will not be able to really cover up as well as they should. Yeah. I mean, Miratek, God, he was looking good for this team and he just keeps going down and Brogdon just comes out of nowhere with this injury. Tough blow, tough blow. Yeah. And I mean, even if he is ready to come back in the conference finals, like he's lost so much basketball um, and conditioning, like it's going to take some out of this world um, training or therapy within that closing window to come back to really get him in shape and geared and ready for the intensity of a conference final <laughs> series. Like, Right. It's just so unfortunate too, because if the Bucks were really the best chance to beat the Warriors and they're not going to be at full strength, then we'll never really know what could have been because Malcolm Brogdon sneakily did a lot of stuff for this team. Yeah, um, he, he was a really versatile player for them, had good size at the point guard position, um, could play on both sides of the floor really well, great offensive and defensive player, would stuff the, sh- staff sh- the whole stat sheet um, with points, rebounds, and assists. Um, and there's just no player to replace him really on this roster, and uh, it's just it's just gonna suck to not see what this Bucks team can do at full strength this year. Yeah, so fortunately for them, I guess a little bit here is Kyle Lowry also goes down with a twisted ankle, though it doesn't look like it's gonna be any worse. It's not gonna be any anything bad. Um, so little tough loss for the Toronto Raptors, but obviously not a big blow. They capture that win against OKC today. And they're playing them again this week. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're in danger of losing the second seed, but maybe just a little 
small obstacle in their journey to try to get that number one. Yeah, and it is really fortunate for them. Kyle Lowry doesn't look like he's hurt very badly, Mm -hmm. so I don't think they're very worried about him missing any playoff time. Um, He might miss a week or so at most. So, yeah, I think in the same boat as CJ McCollum, just hopefully not super serious. Yeah, so let's go big deal or no no big deal here uh, for things that happened this week. So first is Isaiah Thomas getting his tribute video from the Celtics, um, Celtic fans here. Um, he gets a little bit emotional saying he felt like he could have won a title with this franchise had he not been traded or I guess not been injured either. Big deal or forgetful here? I think it's uh, – I'll say it's a big deal. I mean – Isaiah Thomas only really had a few good years with Boston. Um, so getting a tribute video, that's as much as Paul Pierce has gotten so far. I mean, we'll have to see what they do with his jersey um, when he retires. I don't know if they'll retire it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will, but I think it's a big deal. I think it's really good for them to do that for IT. Yeah, it's nice. I think it's forgetful. Isaiah <laughs> Thomas played, what, 10 minutes, 7 minutes in this game? Oh, well, I mean, minutes? yeah, as far as this game's concerned, I mean, it's just that was his return to the garden, you know, whatever way, shape, or form it was. I'm, I'm more looking at it as, like, good for Boston to give him the credit he deserves for being the player he was for them. Yeah, okay. Okay, I guess that's kind of fair. Yeah. How about the Spurs beating the Warriors and Popovich securing his 22nd consecutive season with a winning record? Uh, I'm going to a- go with... <laughs> Big deal here, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. This is a big freaking deal, man. Uh, this is a team. Oh man, I'm just remembering me going off on a podcast in the preseason of this ESPN dude that wrote off the Spurs as winning oh, like 35, right. winning 35 games. Well, man, oh, justice is served. I don't who even remember his name. I don't I care think it was who it Kevin, was. Was it Kevin Pelton? Something like that, but it doesn't matter because he's a terrible journalist, um, <laughs> terrible sports predictor for putting the Spurs with a losing record, betting against Popovich. <laughs> oh man, it feels That's so true. good. To, it feels so good to be right about that. I so I wasn't guessing as low as thirty five, but I was definitely writing this team off in terms of like securing a top eight seed. I thought they were going to be one of the teams that loses out. But again, I mean, I also thought this was going to be easily a 13, 12 team race. <laughs> right, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, 20, 22 seasons in a row with a winning record. I mean, just the fact alone that he made it 22 years in the NBA as a head coach is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> but to have it yeah. with winning records, I mean, it just solidifies something we already know and that Greg Popovich is an all time great, if not, I guess, the greatest coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to give him, got to put him in that conversation. Yeah, how about Anthony Davis? This is just hilarious as well. Another story from the Pelicans. Uh, He was basically snubbed with 5.1 seconds left in the game. Um, He was brought into the game strictly just to disrupt the passer, the inbound passer, with his longer limbs there. And as soon as um, the Mavs Mavs missed a shot, um, he's then subbed out with the (laughs) Pelicans going on offense. And it's a tied game at this moment with 1.9 seconds left. He subbed out, giving him no chance to potentially make a game-winning shot against the Dallas Mavericks. Instead, the ball goes to Julius Randle, who misses the shot, and the the game goes into overtime. But is this a big deal or forgetful? (laughs) And was there pettiness here, or was this a legitimate basketball? 
move. It's forgetful, dude. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, just, just, they just need the season to end. You know, it's just, just, it's just ridiculous. First, we talk about how they gave up that win to the Suns, and now you talk about this play against the Mavericks. It's just pathetic, man. Like, this is such a forgetful franchise at this point, and they're, they're just setting themselves up for failure. Yeah, can we move this franchise to Seattle? New yes, owner. Yes, please. Just restart. <laughs> just hit restart. You know, this kind of reminds me of like a kid who, uh, I don't know, maybe like 75% of the way through the semester is going to get an F in the class. Um, <laughs> and there's no way around it. And he just continues to, and you keep continuing to force him to show up. It's almost like, why? Like, he doesn't care. Uh, yeah. He's going to fail. <laughs> I don't oh, know, no, man. It's, it's so annoying. Just put, yeah. put an end to it. Yeah, how about Mike Scott of the 76ers falls into the crowd in Milwaukee and takes a drink out of a fan's whiskey, and he says, I probably won't do it again, but it was good, though. No ice. Oh, man. I didn't know that was whiskey. I totally thought that was a beer. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I guess here it's kind of just, what, forgetful? Pretty funny, pretty, uh, pretty entertaining, but I don't think that whiskey affected Mike Scott's game since he really isn't that big of a piece for this franchise. Yeah. What, what about this, Alan? The Suns are looking into signing CBA star, that's Chinese Basketball Association star, Jimmer Fredette for the rest of the season uh, with the Shanghai Sharks. Uh, Fredette's Shanghai Sharks being eliminated in the postseason, um, looking to come back to the NBA for a few games. Okay. What is this man average? 36.9 points 36. per game. 36.9 points In the per game. China League. More than James Harden averages. So uh, it seems it like a pretty sense. good signing to me. <laughs> yeah, the question is why did they wait this long to sign this guy? Well, he's, he's making his money with the Shanghai Sharks, man. <laughs> he, he, had, he had his dues. It's like Andrew Bogut on the Warriors. He had, they had to wait till, um he was done in the Australian Basketball League. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. There's, there's several questions that can come out of this. Uh, the first one being for me is one is like, why not sign a actual point guard? Why do you keep signing <laughs> shooting guards and threes onto your roster? Why don't you bring an actual point guard onto the roster? And why now? Why now with 10 games left? This is, is there an injury we don't know about? <laughs> this is like the same smoke, uh, that the Lakers did with Andre Ingram. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, shooting yeah, smoke. Just, br- just bring in a guy that's going to attract some media attention, maybe sell a few tickets, um, and then, yeah, it's just play out the rest of the season like nothing happened. And then people forget about how horribly ran that franchise has been <laughs> for really a, almost a decade now. Uh, yeah, oh, awful. Terrible. Uh, uh, big you- deal of forgetful. Is this man making his <laughs> NBA comeback, or is this just smoke? Uh, it's forgetful, but I'm definitely going to check his game log and see what kind of numbers <laughs> he puts up for the Suns, if, or if they even play him at all. That's true. The Fredette, the Fredette um, alert. Let's see for this podcast. Let's see if he results in any wins for the Suns <laughs> in, this, in, the, in the next coming weeks here. Uh-huh. How about Colin Sexton? This guy has low-key been having a huge second half of the year mm-hmm. i mean he ties the record for the most consecutive 23 plus point games by a rookie i almost like didn't even notice this guy that what he was doing until like i just stumbled upon an article or a box score from one of the cavalier games i was like wow colin sexton's been lighting it up and i kept track of it and i was like wow he keeps doing it and nobody's nobody's talking about it yeah young bull man lighting it up and 
you know no one's gonna talk about it because it is the Cavs, and they're just True. they're in the they're the the epitome of irrelevancy at this point. <laughs> but you get performances like this from Sexton, and it gives you that light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you have Kevin Love coming back from injury, still kind of showing signs that he's not quite there yet, but he's gonna have a full off season to recover. Colin Sexton, man, is looking great. Ties the record for most consecutive 23-plus point games by a rookie. And that's seven straight games, uh, tying in with Tim Duncan. So that's a pretty impressive stat from the rookie who, in a really impressive rookie class overall, um, he's the one with this record. Um, he's just lighting yeah. it up on the scoreboard, shooting really efficiently. A lot of He had a lot of hype at the beginning of the season, faded off once – uh, he just wasn't ready, of course, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But now that he's almost got a full NBA season under his belt, he's really finding his place. Yeah, I think it's just a rookie. That's just sort of like the traditional thing we see with rookies, especially um, not quite the star rookies, but like sort of uh, mid-tier potential star rookies here. And uh, Colin Sexton is one of those guys who I think he just needed to get his legs under him and figure out the pacing of the team. Uh, or the, the NBA game and uh, sort of figure out how to break down these NBA defenses that are so much better than what he experienced in college. And, I mean, this is a good sign for the Cavaliers is this guy mm-hmm. is definitely here to solidify himself and create somewhat of a respectable NBA career. And we'll see. This sky's the limit so f- still at this point. Can I make a hot take right now? Sure. The Cavs are going to make the playoffs next year. Ooh. That is a hot take. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm gonna, I can't agree I, I'm with gonna, that. I'm going to bank on Kevin Love being healthy all season next year. Tristan Thompson being healthy all season next year. Colin Sexton improving on what he's been doing, which he's been playing incredibly so far. And they're going to get one of the Duke boys, one of the top three picks in the draft. And that's a good young core right there. And that's honestly enough to make it in the East, in my opinion. You know what is... Um... What could be an X factor here is what they do with that J.R. Smith contract. <laughs> it's 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 large enough to where you can get something decent back for it, um, or if you take or if you're willing to take somebody else's salary with that J.R. Smith contract. Wonder who you can get out there. I didn't even remember this guy was still employed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I guess it's possible. Maybe you do something like. Yeah, you get a good draft pick and one of the Duke guys, you bring in a good free agent. Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance take a big step forward. Kevin Love is healthy. I could see it. I maybe C D Osman. Maybe C D Osman is Shetty, a real man. deal. You can't count out Jay. That guy can do it all. He just doesn't really have it yet, you know? Like he's just he's not still consistent. Young. He's super young still. I, I give him a few more years. He shows promise too. I, I don't know. I think this Cavs team, when fully healthy. Uh, with Colin Sexton being a legit NBA player now is is a playoff team next year. I guess the Eastern Conference is also not quite on an upswing when you look at those lower tier teams either. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I'm still going to have to disagree with you here, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens after this summer. I just, just want to throw that of- one out there. <laughs> Yeah, this is the, you can you, you definitely can take out bring out some hot takes. So how about the Philadelphia 76ers though a hot team of this week a six game winning streak including wins against the Pacers, the Bucks and the Celtics and Joel Embiid is back. Uh, solidifying his place as arguably the best big man in the league. It's up for debate, but 
with some of the performances he's put together, uh, he's carrying the 76ers into the third seed and I mean, they're ready to make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, and beat averaging 29.6 points a game, 17 rebounds a game during March um, since he's come back from injury. He's just unstoppable, man. Um, in the game tonight against the Celtics, he had 37 points and 22 rebounds. What a ridiculous stat line. He had a crazy good block on Kyrie Irving in the final minutes. Um, Jimmy Butler ended up sealing that game. Tobias Harris had a Tobias Harris game. and Yeah. Dude, this, this team, man, I'm telling you, is going to be the team that comes out of the East. I don't disagree with you, and I was so close to putting a line, putting some money on that just a couple oh. weeks ago, and now I'm like, damn it, I should have done it because I haven't looked <laughs> back at what the money line is now, but I I got to assume it's not as good as it was just two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I might still end up doing it, and I'm in agreement with you here. I think low-key, I think the 76ers are could walk away as the Eastern Conference champions here and go to the NBA Finals this year. Yeah, they have the star power. They have some decent bench players. They got Bobby off the bench, Mike Scott, TJ McConnell, um, James and you got the Ennis. injuries. You got the injuries to the Bucks, and maybe right. that slight injury to Kyle Lowry. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, and the Pacers—they're falling off a little bit now. And yeah, I mean, I think the Sixers are looking like the best team in the East right now. Yeah, how about the Utah Jazz? A five-game winning streak. Basically, they're just riding what's what seems to be the easiest schedule for a team <laughs> over five hundred right now. Um, and they needed this. They had a crazy difficult start to the year. Um, so what a better way to end it than on the complete end of the spectrum there. Moving up to number five. And, you know, you heard me saying earlier, I think their chances of going number three are a lot better than just 11%. And next nine games all against sub 500, like we mentioned before. Um, and they're in the five seed now with OKC losing to the Raptors tonight. So a sky's the limit for them. Three seed is definitely possible if they can go nine and two over the course of these last few games it's possible um it would require the rockets to go six and four but you know we won't count it out yeah therefore there are four games the rockets could potentially drop and you're also not counting the chance that maybe the utah go you maybe utah goes nine and one maybe maybe they do (laughs) (laughs) yeah but we'll see yeah they could and then i mean at at the same time i mean you gotta give them credit for putting themselves in the position that they're in right now i mean they they've won a large portion of their games considering the tough schedule that they had to start the season um to put themselves into this position where they have locked up completely the playoffs without needing this easy schedule at the end of the season um, to get that playoff spot yeah, so let's go through the sinking teams. Oklahoma City, we ta- we talked about them at the start, but four-game losing streak right now with a loss against the Raptors. And guess who they got next? The Raptors. <laughs> um, so that game was close. Unfortunately for them, it did not go their way. Paul George hitting a big sh- back-to-back big shots. Um, but they just went almost scoreless in overtime. I mean, you, I don't even know if you can count those two buckets. They're throwaways. Really in garbage yeah. time. <laughs> Yeah, falling all the way to a tie for the eighth seed with the Clippers and the Spurs. And yeah, Paul George falling out of that Raptors game was just the dagger for them, I think. Even though that Russell Westbrook was able to tie it up, send it to overtime, um, we're just seeing the type of offensive deficiency that this team has when he's off the floor. And that's only going to hurt them um, 
for the rest of the season and into the playoffs if they can't figure out an offensive scheme outside of just giving it to Paul George. Um, they have the third hardest strength of schedule remaining still. And honestly, to me, when I was watching this game today, it seems like Russ, there's something wrong with Russell and Paul George where they're just yeah. not 100%. You see Russell Westbrook icing his legs at every timeout, every time he's not on the floor, which isn't for very long. But mm-hmm. he's his huge ice packs on his legs. And Paul George has got like a cyborg arm on his shoulder like icing that and it just looks like they must be in a lot of pain yeah i mean this the with their best like the most important games of the season coming down to it like it just doesn't look like they're going to be able to pull it off yeah i mean this team relies so much on these two guys more than anything on the point of russell westbrook i've noticed that as well i want to say like i think russell westbrook has lost a couple steps on his athleticism and that's why I think his shooting percentages are have taken a dip this year is not so much that his shots aren't going in. I just don't think he's fast as fast as he used to be, as quick as he used to be with his moves to really mm-hmm. get those easy shots that he used to get. Um, and I think it makes sense. The guy's 29. He's, he's going on 30. Like, there's no way he can keep that superhuman athleticism that we've we've grown used to. And he goes a hundred percent every single game. Like right. there's gotta be a con somewhat of a consequence to that. And his body's just gotta be like just losing a touch. <laughs> and maybe he does have an under, under the radar uh, injury building here. Yeah. It's pretty scary, man. Honestly, like this thunder team was one of the, the more exciting teams in the middle part of the season where we're like, well, they, they might be the contender to beat the warriors. Cause they look so good. Yeah, um, but the the high usage rate of Russell and Paul George is just starting to show its colors. I think, right? And I mean, as a team collectively, they've never been the greatest offensive team, but they've always been an elite defensive team. Fourth defensive rating coming into this year. Last year was no different, but since that All Star break, they've now dropped to nine, which is still good. Still you're good. still yeah. yeah, you're still in the upper percentile, but because your offense continues to drop off. I mean, the one thing you were always consistently leaning on was that elite defense. So at nine, maybe it shows a picture that possibly you are just the bottom half in terms of playoff seating um, here. Yeah, that, that's really rough. And I mean, we're going to have to see where they end up. I, I think they'll end up as the eighth seed, honestly, uh, with the Clippers beating them. But we'll have to see. Um, how about yeah. the Indiana Pacers here on a three-game losing streak? Um, really not really any fault to theirs. They lost a tough string of games all against Western playoff teams in the Clippers, Blazers, and Nuggets. And they have to play the Warriors next, so it doesn't get much easier for these Pacers who continue to fight and fight hard without Victor Oladipo. And they have a whole, they're holding a slim one-game lead over Boston for the four-seed right now, with the Sixers on their winning streak having distanced themselves from the Pacers to secure the three-seed. Um, is there yeah. cause for concern here with the Pacers, Allen? I mean, there was always cause for concern. The real thing is, like, it's surprising that it really took this long for a losing streak to actually hit this team, considering, you know, the things they've been on. And they're on a road trip here, a Western Conference road trip. That's where these three losses came from, Denver, Portland, and Clippers. And it's not going to get any easier with the Warriors next to close it out, but... I mean, the fact that they've been able to hold off Boston for this long 
I think is a huge victory in and of itself. Oh, totally. Um, and whether or not they can hold that, they have that one game lead on them. Oh, it's going to come close, but I'm surprised. Like I said, I'm surprised it took this long for them to actually hit a losing streak like this. Right. Uh, I still like this team. I think they can make an exciting series against Boston. I wish they would have, it probably would have had a better shot making it to the second round as a third seed. Um, but at this point, I think they go, they go four and the Celtics somehow are going to be blessed to go to the second round because of this. <laughs> I mean, I think it'll be interesting if the Pacers are able to keep the four seed, keeping home court advantage. Otherwise, I feel like Boston's going to run away with it if they have home court advantage. So that four or five spot's going to be interesting because it is shaping up to be Pacers Celtics. Just who's going to be the first home games? Yeah. So. See for me, I don't even really think it matters. I think, really? okay, I think the Pacers are going to lose to the Celtics. Um, it just kind of makes me a little area because oh, I feel no. like these the Celtics Pacers... should not be a second <laughs> yeah, round these team. Pacers fight hard, man. If they have home court, I'm not going to count them out. Yeah, so they have one more game against Boston at, at the Garden. That's a big. I one. think that'll give us a good idea of what. Actually, they have two games left. Oh, so these will be huge games. Oh, two games against them. That's crazy. Yeah, so we'll get a good playoff preview there of what these franchises can do because I don't think either of them are going to break into the top three. No way. No way. Not at this no point. Way. No. Yeah. Not, not even close. Yeah. So best performance of the week: Julius Randle, twenty. For 34 from the field, 45 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and 3 blocks in that loss against the Blazers. So, of course despite, <laughs> Yeah, of course, despite everything that's going on with the Pelicans, you got Julius Randle, man. This guy's on the upside, and I don't think that's a mystery. That's <laughs> that, wasn't a, that wasn't a question, I think. This guy has to get out of New Orleans and go to a better team because he is too good to be wasting his young years with this degrading franchise yeah and i think he played the victim of somehow just teams not having or willing to sacrifice cap space for a guy like him but he's got a player option so i think with this season he's gonna oh, opt he's, out he's out for out. sure he's gonna get a good paycheck this offseason and it's probably gonna be from the phoenix suns <laughs> that's probably wouldn't be that bad of a team randall and devin booker randall devin booker and ayton along is that with, two kentucky uh, guys is it? No. Randall. Yeah. No, yeah, no I thought Randall is Kansas, but I always mix up mix up Kansas and Kentucky. Yeah, but either way, you got Dayton. And TJ uh, Warren. Aiden. Yeah. That's yeah. a good team. It's a good team. Not a, yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's definitely not, not a playoff team, but yeah. it's, it's good. Yeah, I can confirm that Randall and Booker, both Kentucky dudes, would be reunited in Phoenix oh, yeah, if yeah. that were to happen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, college wow. basketball and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, how about another former Laker, D'Angelo Russell? Just T Russ. T's T-loading. just stamping his in that he he is having a year, and I I always felt the potential was there, but I didn't think it was going to happen this year. I thought it would happen next year, but he's blowing up earlier than I thought. Forty four points, twelve assists, four rebounds, four steals, but Oof. seventeen for thirty three shooting. Oh. But really more impressive than anything in this game. He just put this team on his back and completely outscored the entire Sacramento Kings team in the fourth quarter with him going for 27 points and the Kings going with 18. And the Kings aren't the old Kings of the past. This is a pretty good Kings team. Man, this game just goes to show how easy it is for teams to come back from 20-plus point deficits in today's NBA. 
um, yeah. how fast things can change. This isn't the first time this has happened this year to the Kings even. Um, the Kings <laughs> have given up multiple 20-plus point leads this year, um, but have also been on the on the other end of it by winning a few games um, that they've had a 20-point deficit in. Um, but, man, yeah, D'Angelo Russell just took over in this fourth quarter, um, a game where in the fourth quarter the Nets were down by 22 points and just willed them back into victory when he just continued to keep trying to score. The bench was barely in it when they were down like 18, 16. He hits a few threes and gets them down to 10, and you could just tell like the tide was turning and anything was possible. And D'Angelo Russell, man, just continues to stab Magic Johnson in the heart repeatedly (laughs) over and over again and will continue to do so for the duration of his career, it seems, because this guy is just getting warmed up. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, here's the thing: who would who's gonna last longer in the NBA? Magic Johnson as a front office executive <laughs> of some form, or D'Angelo Russell as an NBA player? That's, that's easy, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I was thinking about this the other day. Like, was there any way the Lakers could have kept D'Angelo Russell and still be where they are today? I mean, Kuzma probably not possible. Whatever, but. <laughs> But it is possible we could have kept D'Angelo Russell and still had LeBron right now because I think we always forget that the Lakers had a max salary slot that summer. The trade with D'Angelo Russell freed up the second one. And what have we done with that second max slot? Is we filled it with Rondo, (laughs) McGee, Stevenson, Stevenson, and KCP. Yeah, man. Just pathetic, dude. Yeah, just pathetic. so you can't. Yeah, you can't say we definitely could have kept him, but there was a way we could have and still had LeBron yep. now. Yep, could have kept him. Could have kept Randall. Yeah, could have kept. Lopez. How about Alfred Payton? Alfred Payton, man. Yeah, this What's is a going fun on one. With this guy, this, I cannot pin this man down, but I'm I'm gonna go with that. He is gonna be a very good player in this league. He just. I, I think I told you that once. I think I was you like, did. I don't know if he's that. When when he cut his hair, I agreed with you. I was like, okay, now now he's got a shot. And you know what? He's proving it right this year um, with performances like this. He started out the year great. Now he's back from injury healthy. Five straight triple doubles since Drew Holiday went down with an injury. Um, unfortunately, tonight, Wednesday night, he had a pretty bad game, did not get even close to a triple double. <laughs> but he got five in a row, and we can run through them in a loss to Atlanta, 15, 10, and 10. <laughs> in a loss to Milwaukee, 14, 15, and 11. A loss to Portland, 14, 12, and 16. I think you're seeing a trend here. Can we, yeah, can we assume <laughs> all five are losses? Not all of them. The loss to Phoenix, though, the one that you're mentioning, a 16-13-16 game. And the lone win in overtime against Dallas, 19, 10, and 11. Nice. So crazy. What What's crazy is that I think Alfred Payton was always like, He's. I think he was a good player. Like I don't know. I don't know if he probably will never be a star, like a third tier NBA star. Um, but he's a solid player, I think. And if you paired him with Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and Randall, I think you have a good team. But it just sucks that you know the cards to... just weren't played that way for this <sighs> franchise. Every time we bring it up, what could have been, man? It just hurts. Yeah, and it's. I mean, and you also still had Mirotic. Like, if you get those guys, everybody healthy for like sixty games, <laughs> you. I think you yeah. have a decent chance of going to the playoffs. So disappointing. Well, yeah. What about Giannis though? To go to a guy you expect to be in a best performance, um, had to highlight this one here with uh, fifteen to twenty six shooting. 
19-21 from the free throw line uh, for 52 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals and a block, and just one turnover. And actually, I think this was a loss to the 76ers. I think so, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and which is crazy. But either way, um, crazy performance by Giannis. It just goes to show what he can do. Um, when he needs to step up his game, Malcolm Brogdon being out for this one, um, Mm -hmm. Giannis is able to fill at least a little bit of that scoring void by himself seemingly, (laughs) but man, just insane what this man's capable of easy. Yeah. This is the game where he dunked, he backed out Ben Simmons all on his own two, three shoves down and then bam, just (laughs) turn around dunk against a guy who's a legit player, a top player in this league absurd um, and Giannis is just a man among boys at times yeah absolute nuclear uh performance here and I mean this whole debate of whether LeBron James is still the best player in the league I think we no. can agree at least yeah. for these last two months it's got to be Giannis right no it's totally Giannis and he's taken over he had some interesting quotes the other day um saying that he's not gonna Americanize himself or something like that <laughs> to like be the the face of the NBA for the foreseeable future, and I I respect that. Like you know, you don't need to lose your roots to be the face of the NBA just because it's an American yeah. sport. You gotta be just who you are. Yeah, I don't really know what that even means though. Uh, maybe maybe it means like a European player has never been the face of the NBA. I guess so. Like, how is he gonna handle that? I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what his take is on the American view of the NBA player. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, <laughs> it might be something where like he doesn't get as much respect as he should get because he's European because it's a, it is an American sport. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I, I mean, at least from us, from like true NBA fans, like he gets all the respect he deserves. Yeah, I think he. I mean, to me, James Harden's performances have been good, but Giannis, his team's got the best record in the league. I gotta go with him for MVP right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. A favorite. Ha- how about J.J. Redick, 7 for 14 from 3, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, and only one turnover and a win against the Hornets, his first career double-double. I mean, 7 for 14 from 3, that's just crazy. That's like, that's most people's typical just uh, general field goal yeah, uh, stat I think line. that's what my I would shoot from the free throw line on a good day. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is crazy. This is his first career double-double. Um, <laughs> I guess he just never rebounds or assists very much at all. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just really good performance from him, uh, and that that was a close game against the Hornets. So really good performance for him when they needed it. I guess I would love to see the field goal percentage from the Hornets. I wonder just because there were so many missed shots on their side, it just the, the, <laughs> just the amount to be of a lot of long rebounds. Exactly the amount just because of the sheer volume of possible rebounds it gave a guy like JJ Redick to get ten of them. Right. <laughs> Maybe he's just like I'm sick of not having a double double. I'm gonna try to just get as many stats as I can in this game. Right. Yeah. Or I mean, yeah. Yeah. Or it could have been the other way. They shot. They break a bunch of threes, resulting in long rebounds. He was able to get them at the three. Because I mean, he makes <laughs> he hangs around at the three point line, both on the defensive side and <laughs> offensive side. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I wish I had seen like how he got those rebounds, but hey, he got them. They're on the stat sheet. Yeah. How about worst performance of the week? They go. Let's go with PJ Tucker. Well, you're calling the most interesting, awful stat line. Yeah. Here? So it's like it's not all bad, but it's kind of bad. So in 32 minutes, is zero from three with zero points, 
And that, so that's the bad part. He had five rebounds, which is average. Zero assists is bad. He had five steals. And he had zero blocks. He had five fouls. And he had zero turnovers. <laughs> it was just the weirdest stat line I've ever seen. It just sounds like he just went out there to bulldog people, basically. Because yeah. he got five steals, but he also got the five fouls. So he was definitely just reaching in yeah, and bulldogging. Just, yeah, his only stats are five rebounds, five steals, and five fouls. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, 27, 26 minutes, 0 for 7, three rebounds, a steal, and a block, and somehow resulting in a win against <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, no thanks to Jonathan Isaac here. Uh, uh, I, young young guy's going to be young sometimes. Uh, this is yeah. just, just not a very good performance. And another inconsistent Magic player. There you go. Join yeah, the, the list. Orlando Magic, how are they not solidifying that eight seed right now? Like the, the he are still ahead of them. I mean, it's still close, so we'll see. It could still go either way, but the the strength of schedule benefits the Magic so much, but they just keep dropping these games um, and just inconsistent play across everybody outside of Vucevic. Right, yeah, and that that's what I was afraid of when you put them as your eighth seed uh, after the All-Star break. I'm like, I'm not sure... I'm still holding gonna... on to that. <laughs> I mean, I'm still <laughs> holding on to it. The Magic are only good at disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> How about Kadeem Allen, 26 minutes, 0 for 8, 0 points, 1 rebound, 1 assist, and 3 turnovers in a loss against the Raptors. Who is this man? Who is and- this man, Allen? That's a great question. Uh, this is another who does he play for question for you. <laughs> but he got 26 minutes. Yeah, so who, who is he Either it was for? a blowout or is he a solid rotation guy for somebody? <laughs> I, I haven't looked at the Toronto Raptors schedule at all. Um <laughs> I'm just going to take a blanket guess here from somebody in their division. Yeah. I'm going to go with he plays for uh, New York. Wow. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> nice shot in the dark there. Yep. He came off the bench for New York. It'd be easy to miss this guy because he's always at the bottom of the bench. And he'll probably stay there for a while because this is what he does sometimes. <laughs> so I just got to imagine New York is just throwing bodies out there yeah. to see This who is sticks. like the Memphis Grizzlies thing of last year, just throwing out all the G League guys, just getting them some nice NBA minutes. Yeah, but how about Mike Scott after taking a sip of that whiskey? He takes a <laughs> terrible performance showing 15 minutes, zero, zero for three, zero points, one rebound, and fouls out against the Charlotte Hornets. That Charlotte Hornets offense so good. It tricks you. Man. It makes you foul out. You foul out in 15 minutes. You didn't even do anything. <laughs> that was just ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what to think of this. Uh, well, how about final thoughts to close this podcast out? Sean, you wanted to give a shout out to, to a group of people here. Yes, a group of people, uh, namely a very young group of people. This rookie class from the 2018 NBA draft, this might be the most successful rookie class we've had in a really long time, if not ever. To find an actual bust that I would say right now is for sure a bust, you'd have to go all the way down to pick 17 to Dante DiVincenzo, the Bucks. Um, that guy just had a few good games in college that made it seem like he had potential, but it really doesn't look like that. And the only other notable bad pick that I can make out right now is Grayson Allen of the <laughs> Utah Jazz. Um, there's a lot what i was gonna say it's kind of unfair to compare this guy to the rest of this class grayson allen what is he fourth year senior yeah so that doesn't mean anything kuzma was a four-year senior true i just think grayson allen was just always destined to simply just be a somewhat role player 
comes in 15 minutes, well, 10 minutes a game. Well, that's fine. You don't draft him in the first round then if you're not going to draft a guy based off potential or doing anything for you. And, I True. mean, you look at all the guys on this list. I mean, let's just go down the list. Like, Aiton, great. Bagley, great. Doncic. Jaron Jackson was amazing before he got hurt. Trey mm-hmm. Young. Mo Bamba, before he got hurt, showed some promise. Wendell Carter, same thing. Sexton's now looking really good. Kevin Knox is getting good minutes. Mikal Bridges is getting good minutes. Shea's the starting point guard for a playoff team. Um, Miles Bridges is starting for the Hornets, um, for yeah. whatever that's worth. Um <laughs> Like, those top 12 guys are all playing meaningful minutes for NBA teams, some of them very competitive teams. Um, I think this has got to be one of the best draft classes I've ever seen. I mean, you have guys like uh, Kevin Huerter down here at number 19 to the Hawks, who's playing great. Um, Landry Shamit at 26. And even in the second round, I mean, you got Jalen Brunson here at 33, Mitchell Robinson, who might become one of the best blocking centers in the league one day, um, Rodian's Kuroks for Brooklyn. There's just yeah. some amazing players from this draft, and it just seems like there's a lot of hits. Yeah, at this point, well, Marvin Bagley looks like he's going to potentially be a star. Luka yeah. Doncic, definitely going to be a superstar. Trey Young, probably an all-star. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Aiden, most likely also an all-star. And, I mean, maybe you can't call it the best because we still have yet to see what these guys are going to achieve in their careers. But more than not, it's looking like a very deep draft right now at this in terms of, like, the volume of quality players you've, you've just got out of here. Uh, and a lot of these guys look like they're not going anywhere. Like, they're going to keep carving out more and, more and bigger roles for their teams moving forward. Right, yeah, it's really exciting for the future of the NBA. I mean, you even have some guys like Jerome Robinson and Fernie Simons and Moritz Wagner who haven't really shown their stuff yet. Not to mention Michael Porter Jr., who could have been a top number one pick um, had he not been injured. Uh, Lonnie Walker on the Spurs, Zaire Smith for the Sixers. There's a lot more potential. And and so to add on to this rookie class that already has exceeded, far exceeded any expectations which were already high to start the season. Um, it's just awesome.